Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the third season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, go ahead and click that subscribe button. We hope that you'll check us out also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok and find out more about content. Of course, we encourage you to also check out the website at rayreynoldsrap.com. We hope you enjoy today's program. Welcome back to Reynolds Wrap. Just excited that you have tuned in today for this particular episode. Uh, we have two episodes back-to-back. Uh, this, uh, these particular lessons were delivered at the Niceville Church of Christ in Niceville, Florida. You can actually watch the audio if you choose to do that and watch the slides of this particular presentation uh, at the YouTube page for Niceville Church Christ. Um, it was given a, a challenge of doing a lesson on the Holy Spirit and I uh, was very excited to do it, and I hope that you enjoy this presentation. Like I said, it'll be broken up into two parts, uh, and so listen to this one and listen to the next one. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to Ray Reynolds Rap. So tonight, uh, I have been assigned the topic, One Thing You Need to Know About the Holy Spirit. Now, when Joe submitted the series to me, I thought it was a really neat idea to ask different speakers to talk about one specific topic and really to make one emphatic point. Uh, a one-point sermon's better than a pointless sermon, right? So uh, we, we, I've been really excited since he sent that to me. I think one person had picked their topic, and I said, I'll take the Holy Spirit if nobody else takes it. Because usually in the church, at least in, from where I grew up, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit very often. Uh, it was one of those things where it was kind of taboo because uh, we were afraid of uh, controversy. We were afraid of uh, people thinking we were charismatic. And so the topic just didn't come up very often. And when it did, usually we'd say, well, uh, we'll study about it. But we didn't preach on it, didn't teach on it. And so that's a, an, a kind of an error where we need to correct because we're supposed to be Bible-believing people. And we're supposed to be people that know the Word. And so there's a lot of scriptures on the Holy Spirit. Tonight, uh, I want to just dig into one text. We're going to make it easy. And we're going to study the book of Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up there. Romans chapter 8. And I don't know how many of you are, are techie, uh, but if, you, if you're a tech person and you like, or if you like taking notes, on the screen behind me, there is a QR code. And if you scan that with your phone, it's every slide from tonight. I already have it uploaded to my website. Uh, RayReynoldsRap.com. That's my website because everything I write's a rap. It's a Reynolds rap, not 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 W-R-A-P, but R-A-P. But anyways, ReynoldsRap.com. So the slides are already there if you want to go ahead and download them because we're going to probably move fairly quickly. I love the Book of Romans for a lot of reasons, and Romans 8 is one of them. This is, in my estimation, one of the besides 1 Corinthians 13, maybe one of the greatest chapters that Paul ever penned. And he gives us uh, a lot of points and actually answers some questions about the Holy Spirit. And so I want to share with you tonight the one thing, if you learn nothing else tonight, the one thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that He is awesome. He is awesome. We talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about the Son, but in some ways the, the discussion of the Holy Spirit is often neglected. And I want you to know that he is awesome. And I'm going to give you some reasons why Paul shows us in Romans 8 
that the Holy Spirit is awesome. So we're just going to dig in. You, you gotta, if you've got a highlighter, a pen, a marker, a piece of paper, something like that, it might be a good time to grab that and start taking some notes. Because I'm sure if you want to dig in on this subject, you're going to want to read it more than just the time we have together tonight. So let's start with recognizing how we know that the Holy Spirit is awesome from Romans chapter 8. The first thing is the Holy Spirit delivers us from condemnation. That's why he's awesome. Listen to the first two verses. There is therefore, and I'm reading from the New King James, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now I want you to notice that if we're not in Christ, this is a major point in Romans 8. If you are not in Christ, if you are not a baptized believer covered by the blood of Jesus, you do not have the Holy Spirit. His emphasis in this chapter is only a privilege to the sons and the daughters of God. A child of God has the Holy Spirit. How do you get the Holy Spirit? We'll talk about that in a minute. But here he says, a spirit-filled person has no condemnation because they are in Christ Jesus. The same point could be made when we talk about the church. There is no condemnation for those that are in the church because the church is the body of Jesus Christ. And many texts teach us that. We can go to Colossians, go to Ephesians chapter 5. But Paul just starts off by saying, look, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Those of you who fear a gavel waiting for you on judgment day, you can lay those fears aside because there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. If you are repentant, and you are getting your life on track, trying your very best to walk in the shoes that Jesus has trod, that is evidence enough. There is no condemnation. He doesn't want you to go to hell. God did not create hell for you. It was created for the angels. Unfortunately, a lot of people choose to go there because they will not follow the will of God. But if you're in Christ Jesus, you're baptized into the blood of Jesus, added to the Lord of Jesus Christ's church, there's no condemnation for you. And the law of sin and death has no power over you. This is why Jesus boldly says in Revelation chapter 1, I've got the keys, John. I've got the keys to death and Hades. Jesus has fulfilled his destiny, if you will, in his way by being able to die on the cross and raise from the dead. And don't forget, the neglected doctrine sometimes is the ascension. Without the ascension, Jesus would not have been able to send the Holy Spirit. We'll go to John chapter 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, those Holy Spirit passages. Jesus said, look, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you'll never be orphans. You'll never be comfortless. You always have my Spirit with you. And that's why in Acts 2, when he pours out his Spirit in a miraculous way upon the apostles, they go out preaching and teaching in different languages. And then, of course, the church is established. And after that, again, many miraculous things happen. Those miracles did cease, according to 1 Corinthians 13. But the indwelling of the Spirit did not. We'll, we'll keep rolling. Look at verse 3. Another thing we know about the Holy Spirit being awesome is that it changes the way we walk. We become a different person when the Spirit resides inside of us. Listen to verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There it is. So if you are in Christ Jesus and you are walking according to the Spirit, now we could dig deep on that. Galatians chapter 5. Everyone who is in Christ bears the fruit 
of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Remember the song we used to sing? Fruit of the Spirit is not a watermelon. Okay, The Spirit of God resides inside of you as a child of God, and because of that, you bear fruit. So all those requirements of the old law are done away with. As a New Testament Christian, I don't need to run back to the Old Testament to see why I live my life. I don't have to keep those laws of, of, of incense and offerings and sacrifices. Those were nailed to the cross. They've been done away with. And now we live in a new law. And so therefore, he says, I need you to walk according to the Spirit. Now that's a, really two things. One is the Spirit's inside of you. The other is, Paul will identify in places like in Ephesians chapter 6, and also as he speaks to Timothy in chapter 3 of the second letter, that the Word of God is the Spirit. And so I begin to read through the Word of God and literally the words of God, the Spirit that helped to put this book together for us, it, it really enters our mind. The Spirit of God enters our mind that way. Sometimes we'll have moments where as a Christian, we'll be in a situation and we'll say, I, I, don't, I don't think I should be here. I don't think I should be doing that. Well, what is that conviction that you didn't have before you became a New Testament Christian? Well, that's the Holy Spirit working alongside of our conscience. And so we walk not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. Okay, keep reading with me. We'll see another reason why. The Holy Spirit, in addition to changing our walk, produces life. Now, Jesus died on the cross. He was raised again on what day? The third day. It's taught. You've read it. You've practiced it. You understand it. If you listen to Romans chapter 6 and dial back just a few chapters, Paul talks about how our baptism into Christ is a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Now, I submit to you he's going to say here in Romans chapter 8, not just here, but several times, that you die in the flesh and you are raised in the Spirit. And without the Spirit, there is no resurrection. This is the reason why in Acts chapter 2, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for mission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift, the gift, not the gifts, not the miraculous gifts, not all the things that they were doing, speaking in tongues and performing miracles. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul will talk about it as a seal of redemption. He'll talk about it as a sign of us in a covenant with God. He'll talk about it as a spirit of adoption. But the Spirit is inside of us as children of God. Paul will say also in 1st and 2nd Corinthians that the Holy Spirit dwells in us as if we are a temple and His Spirit resides inside of you as long as you walk according to the Spirit and the Spirit produces life. Read with me verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those, those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Keep reading with me. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity with God, or against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Who pleases God, Paul? Those that walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Back in Genesis, or pardon me, in Galatians chapter 5, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, there's another list before that. Did you notice it? The works of the what? Of the flesh. There is a distinct difference between children of God and children of the world, and that is that we have the Spirit of God to lead us and bear fruit in many different ways. Here it says, again, He produces this life. He gives us new life. We die in Christ. We're raised by the Spirit. And so, a great thought about resurrection. In fact, every time I do a baptism, 
I sat down with people and I tell them, I say, this, is, this water is just water. In our place, it's Baldwin County water. You know, it's a little sketch sometimes, but it's water. Nothing mirac miraculous about the water itself. There's nothing miraculous about the person who performs the baptism. You're simply submitting yourself to, a work, to an act that God has commanded to repent and be baptized. But in some way, something amazing happens in that you are dying with Christ and being raised with Christ, raised in the Spirit to this new life, and then it changes also the way you think. Now, you may have noticed there in those first few verses about carnal and spiritual, he talks about the mind, but here he's going to give us a little more. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, it dwells in who? It dwells in you. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Dwells, abides, lives, put every word, every word you want there. I've had people say, well, you know, as a, as a Christian, the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you. Have you read Paul? Underline this, verse 9, next time somebody says you, the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell inside of you as a Christian, I guess Paul's a liar, because Paul says it here, he says it in chapter 6, he says it in 1 Timothy, he says it in 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, he says it in chapter 6, he says it in 2 Corinthians, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, dwells, resides, abides, indwells you as a believer. Now keep reading. He says he dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he's not his. Somebody says, well, I don't have the Spirit of God. Well, Paul says you're not a Christian. Hello? If I'm a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in me. If I say the Spirit of God does not dwell in me, I'm saying I am not a Christian. Again, this is not just an emphasis here on what was meant for them. This is a meant for as an emphasis for us today. Every person who reads this book, every time somebody read this epistle or we read it on a, on a regular occasion, we are reminded that God's Spirit needs to reside inside of us. And it changes the way not only we walk, but the way that we think. And thinking really is the most important aspect. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You remember that? And so, uh, Paul also say in Philippians chapter 4 and verses 8 and 9, think on these things. Think on good things. Well, how do I need to think? What do I need to think about? The Spirit ought to tune our minds to spiritual things. Now, if you and I choose to fill our minds with entertainment, we choose to fill our minds with worldly things, then it's also going to determine our actions. And so if we want to live with Christ, we dwell on the things of the Spirit we retain those things in our mind, and then we act them out. I had a kid one time walked into a room and said a potty word. And, you know, it was pretty bad. The kid says the potty word, and the mom goes, I have no idea where he heard that. I know exactly where he heard it. There's two people in that house that speak to him on a regular occasion, unless he's watching something on TV. He probably learned behavior from someone in the family. Within the church, we are the same. The more you spend, this is why stirring up one another, Hebrews chapter 10, is so important. Stirring up one another until Jesus comes is that the more I'm around spiritual people, the more I'm going to make spiritual decisions. I'm going to think more like Christ. I'm going to act more like Christ. We'll see after we get past all this pandemic stuff how people have received the teachings and the Word of God, if they're living it or if they're not. So Paul's saying you need to have the Spirit of God dwelling in you to change your mind. Also, notice here in verse 9, he changes our relationship. The fact that you are no longer someone who is lost in sin, back verse 1, not condemned, you're saved if you're in Christ, and you reside in Christ by continually repenting of sin and confessing and walking in the light, John will say in 1 John 1. 
But he says it changes our relationship in that now I have to think differently around certain people. If you are a Christian that have only been maybe a child of God for a short period of time, you know what it was like to live in the world for a long time. And you know that as you become a Christian late in life, people look at you different. They say, well, you don't talk the way you used to. You don't go to the same places. You don't act the way that you used to. Something about you has changed. And you know what I say about that? Amen. It better. Because as a child of God walking in the Spirit, I have changed. And that I am now in a relationship. I'm in a covenant relationship with my Creator. And I'm also changing the way I'm interacting with other people. I've changed my mind, and I've changed my walk, and I've changed my relationship. I am no longer, there it says, in enmity with God, an enemy of God. And he'll tell us why in just a moment, because we've gone through a special process of adoption. Notice also here in verse 10, if I can move it along here. All right. The Holy Spirit is awesome because he produces righteousness in the lives of the believers. Look at verse 10. And if Christ, if Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin. We got that, Romans 6. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit of God that dwells in you helps you to stay on the right path. It keeps you in the right relationship because you're attached to Christ. It also keeps you in a right frame of mind, which we just noted. And it changes our walk so that we can determine we want to live around other people. But the righteousness, the righteousness that God has required, from the beginning he's always required it of his people. The righteousness we have because we're in Christ and because we have the Spirit of God. It produces additional righteousness. It helps us to walk on the straight and narrow, to stay with people. Uh, many times as we're young, if we're around a lot of church kids at school, as we say, or we're out in the community, we act a little different, don't we? Some people will say, well, I don't do that. I don't do that. But then when they're around all worldly friends, they say, I just don't know. I just kind of got led into temptation. The more we surround ourselves with spiritual people, the more inclined we are to walk the way of righteousness. And so this effect, the spiritual effect, it, it comes not only from within, but it can also come from without. The more righteous people you're around, the more you're inclined to make righteous decisions. And that happens in the process of baptism. You're made right with God. But we know that it is possible to fall from grace. It is possible to fall back into sin and the old way of life. And so he says you need to live differently, a way of righteousness, or we might say of right living. Uh, number, verse 11. The Holy Spirit produces a spiritual resurrection. Now this is something he says in chapter 6, but let's read again verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ up? It says the Spirit of God rose Christ from the dead. And if that Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in you, he will also raise you. Listen to what he says. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit. You die in baptism. And this is why, again, I teach this to new converts. It's a, this is a major undertaking. When you decide to become a Christian and you are baptized into Christ and you have your sins washed away, the first thing is you're declaring that the devil's your enemy. That's dangerous because we fight against a host of spiritual wickedness and an army of demons that we can't even comprehend what they can do. And he says you're going to be raised by the Spirit of God. The Spirit that is in you, John will say, is greater than that which is in the world. Why do you overcome? Why do you go through trials and struggle and just come out on top? It's not easy. It's tough. But because you have the power of prayer. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. 
all the things that the Spirit does produces a life in you, and it started at your spiritual resurrection. So if you are a New Testament Christian, you die once, really, physically, but you're going to live twice. You're going to live on this earth, if, earth in life. You're going to live now, raised up in a new walk. But then in eternity, you're going to live again. Eternal life. And the Spirit provides the power of the resurrection. And so that's, that's a great thought. Verse 11. Now keep going with me to verse 12. We'll move fast, I promise. Some of you are probably going, he's moving too fast. Verses 12 and 13. Read with me. Therefore, brethren... We're debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. It says, For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Spirit is essential to life. For us to continue living a spiritual life, a spiritual walk, we must have the same mind as the Spirit. Actions, again, by our walk according to the Spirit. We're not of this world. Amen? Amen? I don't belong here. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a stranger. I'm a vagabond. I'm a pilgrim. You can call me whatever you want. But this is not my home. My home is already prepared or in the process of being prepared for me. And it's eternal life. And He's going to continue to produce life. That's what the tree's about. Go back to again, Galatians chapter 5. Bear fruit. How do people know that you're a child of God? Well, Jesus says, by their fruit, you shall know them. John chapter 15, if you're in me, you're in the vine. I am the vine, you're the branches. What do the branches do? They bear fruit. My yard, I've got fig trees and blueberry and mulberry and blackberry and all these bushes and trees. And I have never, I've planted some, uh, some orange trees now. I've got lemon trees. I have never taken a lemon off of my tree and bit into it like a peach. Why? Because a lemon produces a different kind of fruit. It's totally different. But it's still on the tree there. And I know the fruit of certain trees because I have tasted it. Now, as a child of God, how will people know that you're a child of God? How will they know that you're a Christian? By the fruit that you bear. They see your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what I bear because I'm attached to the vine. He's the vine. If He's the vine, I'm producing fruit. And the fruit is an outpouring of the Spirit. The longer you live as a Christian and you mature as a Christian, all those things in that list of Galatians 5 will become a reality. And people will see it in you, and they will say, you're different. You talk different. You act different. You don't get agitated as much as some of my other friends. You don't say things. You don't participate in gossip. You don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't whatever the fill in the blank. As a child of God, I've chosen to live differently, to produce life in me so that by the fruit I offer, other people might partake of that fruit and say, I, you can have the fruit all you want. You can come to my house, pick crab apples, and you can come over and, and pick all kinds of stuff. We've got trees everywhere, okay? That's great. But wouldn't you rather have a tree of your own in your own yard that you can partake of? So as we produce life, it's literally giving life to other people, life-changing aspects of living.
Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get updates on original content each week. Follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. Also, if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming broadcast, or if you'd like to email me a question, or if you have a prayer request, you can send that to rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day, and may the Lord bless you as you seek to live an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.